your biggest successes almost always come right after your biggest roadblocks. And a lot of people just won't stick it out. The Strive for More podcast will resonate with those that strive for more in any aspect of their lives. Follow along on one man's journey on the path to a meaningful life through long form interviews with everyone from successful entrepreneurs, artists, physicians, leading scientists, social media influencers, and professional athletes. This episode of the Strive for More podcast is brought to you by the Strive Accelerator, which is a weekly mastermind group for entrepreneurs. So if you're not seeing the success you want, or you're searching for a community of like-minded business owners, then send an email to jared at striveaccelerator.ca to book a call and learn more. Our next guest is the CEO of self-publishing school, selfpublishing.com, and the author of six best-selling books, including his most recent book titled Published. Self-Publishing School is an Inc. 5000 company the last two years in a row as one of the 5,000 fastest growing private companies in the United States. Our next guest is also the host of the Seven Figure Principles podcast and the Self-Publishing School podcast. Through his books, podcasts, YouTube channels, and Self-Publishing School, he has helped thousands of people write their first book. So please welcome to the show, Chandler Bolt. Well, Chandler... Thank you so much for joining us and let's just get to it, man. Hey, great to be here. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start off with the moment for you that crystallized the importance of starting self-publishing school. How did that come about? Yeah. So um, I know know we just mentioned this right kind of right before uh, going live here, but and I talk about this in my TEDx talk. This is a this is a big moment for me. Is a, a, a friend of mine just kind of tragically passed away right in front of me. We were on a on a cruise ship, and it was on a cruise for a company I worked for at the time, uh, Student Painters. Um, maybe you've heard of College Pro Painters is mm-hmm. a little bit more popular in Canada, um, <laughs> but Student Painters kind of like the American version of that. Uh, but was, so we were on this rewards cruise, and it was all the top performers. And he kind of tragically fell two stories and. Uh, and landed on his head and passed away um, on on that trip. And and it was just a big moment for me because, you know, uh, uh, the night before he passed away, we talked about his five-year dreams, his five-year goals and things like that. And I just kind of a realization for me is he's never going to get to achieve those things. And, and now I'm living for two. And so that was the big thing. And then that combined with a little bit after Kendall passed away, I found out that he had attended one of my random webinars on writing and publishing a book, and he had actually gotten most of a rough draft finished off that. I didn't even know. And uh, and so with the help of his friends, they were actually able to publish uh, his book after he passed away. So for me, that was kind of this, it was just a pivotal moment. We had had some success with self-publishing school. I was kind of waffling. It's like, I don't know. Do I want to do this? Do I want to not? Maybe there's something else. Uh, and I just feel like chasing the wrong things at the time money, women, fame, all those things. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just, it was a crystallization for me. Of the, there's only a handful of things in life that truly matter and help. And what I'm doing is, 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 is one of those and helping people write and publish books. That was one of the, one of the few things in my life at the time that was like truly making the world a better place. So it just, I, it, it forced me to tighten my focus on family, tighten my focus on a handful of things that really matter. And, and self-publishing school was one of them. And then really doubled down and then launched self-publishing school, uh, the, the kind of like the, the, the full version of it the next year over the next few months, I think it was, uh, three months later, four months later. And then we've kind of been off to the races since then. What did that process look like for you where, you obviously go through this really tragic event. And then how does that 
what was the process that you followed in order to translate that pain into meaningful action? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think uh, for me, it was a lot of time thinking <laughs> uh, and a lot of time thinking about, okay, what do I want? What's important to me? But then I also think it was, I mean, a big part of it was just having a lot of really great people in my life. And I think that was, that was a moment where just having a good support system, like, I don't know what I would have done without that. So it's my family, my parents, uh, my business partner at the time, like other people that were just super pivotal in my life, just speaking into my life. Uh, and then I think also just taking time for reflection because it was just a very raw emotional time. My, my grandma, I, when I got back from the cruise and right as I found out Kendall passed away, like right after that, I found out that my grandma had passed away that same weekend while I was on the yeah. cruise. And so it was just kind of a, I flew home instead of coming back to California. Well, I guess I flew to my childhood home instead of coming back to my now home in California and was with family and, you know, went to the funeral and like all those things. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a, a raw time of reflection. And so I think that really helped that really helped. And then, but then even at the end of that, you still don't fully know. <laughs> it's just like, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. Let me take another step, take another step, take another step. And, and it kind of, for me, at least it's kind of unfolded uh, as we've went. So I think that was a, a crystallizing and polarizing moment. But then the big thing for me was how do I, not, how do I make sure that this doesn't get lost in this moment, but this is truly a thing that long-term, I mean, that, that I'm going to remember this. So that's why uh, it, you know, I have this bracelet that says make him proud on one side and on the other side it says WWKD. And, uh, so what would Kendall do? And, uh, and so that, that to me is the daily reminder of, okay, I, I want to be remind, I want to never forget this feeling and also what it meant to me and what it means to me. And so, uh, I think that's, what's carried kind of into today. How does that influence you on a day-to-day -day basis? The WWKD mantra? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's what would Kendall do? And so I think Kendall was just such a selfless leader and he, he always put his team first. He always put people mm -hmm. around him first and just an amazing guy. And so I think for me, it's a, remi a reminder of that, like what, uh, and, and I guess maybe it's more subconscious than conscious a lot of times, but just that underlying the, the, the symbolism, but you know, it's, if I'm pissed off because, my mic won't work or because the traffic sucks or because whatever. It's like, Hey, this is a good reminder of like, what would Kendall do in this situation? How would he show up? And then also as we've been more successful as a business is just like being reminded of, okay, why am I really doing this? What truly matters and how do we make an impact? Um, and so it's really cool. His family does um, each year on his, on his birthday, they, they do a, a donation like charity thing and through his foundation. And so, like that's been kind of cool as like a yearly reminder and then to be able to donate to that. But then also just to that be kind of serve as a reminder and then kind of even more practical in the day to day. I have a, an account monthly accountability partner. Mm -hmm. um, we were business partners in another business at one point. Um, but we, we meet every single month and we talk about our goals. Did we hit our goals? Did we not? Uh, and and that's been, and he was one of the people who was there when Kendall passed away. So he was actually up there when it happened. And, and so that's just kind of been a helpful, we started the month after it happened and we haven't missed a month in six years or so. Um, since wow. that's, no, shoot, maybe it's seven, eight years. I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I think it was uh, September, October of 2014. Um, so uh, about six years, but we, and we haven't missed a month. And and even just recently, like on our most recent one, it was super helpful because we re- we hadn't really talked about a ton of that, believe it or not. Uh, but even just we ta- we had this kind of longer conversation, just talking back through that and reprocessing and uh, and and pulling out things. I think was just super helpful and from a processing perspective. You mentioned that accountability meeting. What does that actually look like? Is it just you meet once a month, you set a goal for the for the upcoming month, and then you plan to meet again a month later, or is there something more in depth there? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of long and short of it. And so <laughs> I've, I've, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, I, I try to keep things simple, man. Uh, it's uh, uh, my my two favorite questions uh, when I'm for my business, but then also with any of our clients that we're working with on their businesses. Uh, how do we make things more simple? And how do we do more of what's working? <laughs> it's like those are the two questions I always come back to. So so it, with my team and with everyone really, it's like okay, how can we make this more simple? How can we make this more simple? How can we trim the fat? How can we, I don't want to overcomplicate this, like let's keep things simple. Let's keep things focused. Let's do more of what's working. And so uh, I've, I've got a video on my Seven Figure Principles YouTube channel and uh, also an, uh, a podcast on the Seven Figure Principles podcast. Uh, it's about my goal setting process and uh, you know how to do the yearly, the quarterly, the monthly, the all that stuff. And so basically it's take the monthly uh, and I've got, uh, you know, kind of as you can see here, um, obviously you won't see this if you're listening to the podcast, but um, <laughs> got the, my top three goals are really top four for August. And we've got a spreadsheet. It's super simple. <laughs> it's just a running list of month by month. And it's what were your three or four goals for last month in order of importance per goal? Was it green or was it red? Okay. Walk me through that. Walk me through your goals for the next month. So it's reflect back at the last month, talk about the next month. Um, and then we can kind of challenge each other, hold each other accountable. Sometimes we'll do like a running bet on who hits the most goals or whatever, or, uh, stuff like that. And then also just, you know, Oh, Hey, that's interesting. Like, how can we make that goal more specific? How can that, that seems like a total distraction. Why are you focused on that this month? You know, little things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I think that part becomes a small part of the meeting and then it's okay. What are you learning? what are things you've been reflecting on or just kind of impromptu? Oh, Hey, check this out. We just did this at my company. You you guys should totally do this. Okay. Let me walk you through it. Right. And so just that kind of uh, check-in and rhythm and then always, and this is, I'm a big fan of this with anything, but someone just recently gave a word for it. I, I never had a word for it. She called it BAM fam, the book a meeting from a meeting. Uh, so you ne- <laughs> never end a meeting without booking the next one for like one-off type things like this. So we do this with coaching calls with students as we're we're working with them, helping with their books. It's like the coach, the sales rep, the student success person, whoever they're talking to is like, okay, cool. The end of the call is booking the next call. (laughs) And if you keep doing that, you'll never drop a client or drop a prospect. And and then you've got to follow up and follow up and follow up and follow up. It's like, okay, Let's book the meeting from the meeting. So that's what we do each month. And that, that I think, is a big part of how we haven't missed for six years. It's because we always say, you, you say five minutes in, it's like, all right, perfect. Let's book the next one. There we go. And speaking of that process, you've got a great episode on closing loops on your Seven Figures Principle podcast, which I highly recommend. That's an incredible podcast. And I can't wait to kind of dive into that a little bit more. I want to tie together that. two. Yeah, it's excellent. And I've, I've started doing that in my own life and it's made it better. <laughs> And I want to tie together two kind of threads here, and it's on student painters that you've brought up and, and how Kendall passed away, but you went into that 
student painters process with a really big goal. You wanted to be the number one business in the United States. And you were on track for that. You set some a really audacious goal. And then something really major happened. Can you speak about that really traumatic kind of event that happened to you? Yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm on my only vacation of the year. And I'm talking only vacation of the year. I was working my butt off 12, 13 hour days every single day away from home. Uh, you know, it's like as a freshman in college, it's just traumatic. It's like, no, mom, <laughs> I'm just, you know, the, the, the nastiest throw it in the microwave type meals. It's like doing that and eating Subway every day, which at the time I thought was healthy. <laughs> like, oh, I'm eating healthy lunch. Uh, let's go to Subway. Um, but it, it, yeah, man. And so I'm on my one vacation of the year. I actually had a music festival. My brother um, plays in a Grammy-nominated rock and roll band called Need to Breathe. Uh, and they're playing at a music festival. So I go see him and, and go to this music festival. And I remember on the music festival, I get a call from my production manager. And he informed me that pretty much my entire crew was quitting. <laughs> Which at this point, I mean, and kind of some of the context is I was running my painting business in Charleston, South Carolina. It was raining every day. Like if, if I could, if I could summarize that summer in a word, it would be rain. <laughs> there's a lot of other words to use. Like a lot of other experience. It was, it was rain. And, and so my crew wasn't getting hours. It was demoralizing because you'd paint and, and you'd be looking at the radar and you're like, well, I don't know we can get a couple hours in. And so you do that. And then the storm would come in and then it would just wash all the paint off. You just stare there, you stand there watching all the paint run off. And so I think uh, through a combination of all that, like they're not getting hours, so they're not getting paid as much as they thought and uh, all those things. It's, and, and some poor leadership by me, bad apple on the team. Like I think it was a bunch of things. They just pretty much all quit. Uh, And so here I am, you know, I'm, 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 you know, pretty high up in the company, I think, or uh, from a ranking perspective for the year. But I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to paint the work that I have. I think it was at 80 grand in work. I'm like, I don't even know how we're going to paint these this many houses, much less hit the record. And so especially with my whole crew quitting. So I remember driving all night, stopped to see my parents for a little bit, like three in the morning. Uh, and they woke up and, you know, said, hey, and that sort of thing. And then I drove the rest of the night, got, got back home uh, at about... I don't know, seven, eight in the morning, threw my bags down, went onto the job site and painted all day. And, and I just remember coming back that at the end of that day. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? And I, I cobbled together some applicants, ran a paint training on a house that I, I was painting. Uh, uh, and I got a bunch of people out there, trained them. Uh, and I fired one person at lunchtime, like really wanted to make a statement like, Hey, this is, I'm not going to, this is not going to happen again. I'm like, and, uh, and there were a lot of lessons from that. A lot of lessons. I think one of the biggest ones is that, uh, well, I mean, cause the, the punchline of the story is that we came back, we rallied. I ran the number one business in the company, number one business in the country. Like really the back half of that year was, was amazing. And, and, uh, and I remember getting the award on the cruise that year. And I remember kind of standing on top of the, the, the deck of the cruise ship and just, th- we're just thinking back on the year. It's like, man, what a feeling. And I remember reflecting back and I was like, you know what, actually I, the best part of my summer. And I, I actually think I might've t- said this in my speech. The best part of my summer was when that happened. And 
I learned more from that than so many, so much else. Like that was where I learned the most. And so I think there were a lot of lessons for me. There was your biggest successes almost always come right after your biggest roadblocks. And a lot of people just won't stick it out. Right. And, and, and so, so often I think we, people in general miss out on those big wins because it's almost like life throws speed bumps just to see who's going to keep going. Like, and, and so I, I really truly believe that is like, so that's, it, it reframed that for me. And so now every time I, 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 I come into those type of moments, I'm like, oh man, must be something really good about to happen. <laughs> and and wow. so this actually happened a few months ago. I'm like, whoo, I'm getting my butt kicked for like six months <laughs> in a row. I'm just getting just uh, kicked in the crotch repeatedly, which is often how entrepreneurship feels. Uh, and, and I'm like, there must be something really big about to happen. And little did I know that was COVID, <laughs> but also <laughs> a record quarter. <laughs> like we, we had a record quarter in spite of COVID. We had a record month last month. Um, and, and so we're, we're building and we have momentum. And, and so I think that was one of the big lessons. There's always something good coming on the other side of that. I think there was a bunch of other micro lessons of like, if you have a bad apple on your team, don't, don't wait to fire that person. Uh, there's my leader, my manager would always call it puppy dog versus kind of, what do you call it? Puppy dog versus commander leadership. And those are the two extremes. And so I think I was a puppy dog leader, which is everyone's best friend. And then yeah. there's the commander, which is like the total, uh, hard ass for lack of a better word. That's just like really on everyone. And so it's like, okay, how do you find your sweet spot and really be kind of the, 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 the true leader um, inside of that. And so I think I, I learned some of that and there was a bunch of other lessons learned, but I, if, if I would not have gone through that, not only does it help me face every failure or really setback differently, but it was also where some of my biggest lessons were from that summer. Probably the best lesson that I take away from that is don't go on vacation. Is that fair? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think that's also a really good takeaway. And I've implemented that takeaway pretty thoroughly throughout uh, the five years of scaling uh, self-publishing school. I've also, Chandler, heard you say that people that don't have focus is actually because people have a fear of failure, that they don't focus on something because they're worried if I actually put my efforts into this and it doesn't go anywhere, well, that means that I suck. My question to you is, have you ever experienced that fear? You seem like somebody that that doesn't have that fear. Is that accurate? I would say I definitely have that fear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, oh yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. And, and it, it's, yeah, it's kind of as cliche as it sounds like feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. But for me, I almost, I feel it and I lean in. And so, you know, it's like when I dropped out of school, it was all right, cool. I'm going to, you know, sink the, burn the bridges, sink the boats, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm moving away from my town. I'm going to study abroad right before I drop out. I'm going to do all these things. And like, I'm in. And so it's, it's to where making the journey. It's like, if you don't have a plan B, your likelihood of hitting plan A goes up. And so I'm just a big fan of going all in, uh, all in on whatever I do. It's something that I expect from everyone at the team at self-publishing school is like, Hey, you're all in or not at all. Uh, and I don't like having one foot in one foot out. And it's probably also a byproduct of ADHD. It's like, I really need one thing to laser in on and, and focus in on. And that's really healthy for me. And I love it. And I got just kind of like putting the blinders on and then locking in and, and so I think I've definitely ran into that, but, but I just try to lean in and, and 
know that at the end of the day, I, there's a good chance I might fail, but I'd rather fail than not try. And this is one of our core values at self-publishing school. I'm fail fast, fail forward, fail often. And so just like, I, I, I feel like when you fail, you learn. And the fastest way to learn is to fail. Um, the fastest way to learn is to learn from other people's mistakes, but- <laughs> To read books. Yeah, oh, 100%. And I'm a huge advocate of that uh, for obvious reasons, not just because I run self-publishing school, but reading reading books has changed my life. I mean, I've learned the majority of what I know about scaling my company from reading books. And so, uh, I, so I mean, the fast way to learn from someone is from someone else, but- sometimes even still it doesn't sink in quite as well as like you learning the thing. So, um, yes, I, yes, I feel that fear and, and, uh, and then yes, I choose to like really, really lean in and, you know, mitigate the risks. And I've got a video on this and some podcast too is, is there's a mentor of mine told me one time, he said, there's a difference, there's a difference between taking risks and being risky. So I like to take risks, calculated risks, but not operate in risky behavior, you know? Um, and so that's, that's, that's kind of how I try to uh, make sure that I'm, uh, I'm taking calculated risks, not just being risky. Today's episode is sponsored by Self-Publishing School, which is an online education company that teaches people how to write and publish a book in as little as 90 days. Self-Publishing School transforms the lives of purpose-driven individuals by helping them write and publish a book and their mission is to help 100,000 people publish their book by 2029, this impacting 120 million plus people through leveraged impact. You spoke about your motto, fail fast, fail forward, fail often. How do you take that as words and then actually make that actionable for employees? That's a great question. You gotta, you've got to celebrate the failure. Uh, and I, I think it's one of the... So we do, we embed our core values in everything that we do. So they're in, they're in the job scorecards, they're in hiring, they're in evaluations. So yearly evals, they're in praises, they're in reprimands uh, across the board. And so we rate people in the eval on the core values. And that's one of the ones that usually has the lowest grade is fail fast, fail forward, fail often. Cause I feel like through school and through other jobs, people are conditioned not to fail. Yes. And if they do fail, you, you, better not tell anyone <laughs> like and so people people not only do they uh, do they not want to fail but they do not want to admit it and so i try to encourage it and and, and try to you know it's, it's we'll say oh yeah awesome that fell fast fell forward like it's just kind of like a fun almost uh phrase to say oh yeah you fell fast fell forward like let's keep moving like great that's awesome move forward. Mm. And so I think uh, uh, creating a space where people feel like they can fail. And that is so hard. I can't tell you how many people they started SPS and it's like, I don't know, figure it out, try something. And then, and then they're timid. And it's like, Hey, I'd rather you d move forward, have a bias towards action and try the thing and then come back and say, that didn't work. Here's what I'm thinking about doing next. Then ask me and wait on me to tell you what to do. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I hired you because you're really good. You're really talented here. Here's the resources that you need. Here's the goals that you need. Here's your KPIs go like move forward, fail, <laughs> uh, try <laughs> things and all that stuff. And, and, and it's just, I feel like you have to, there's a period of, uh, deconditioning people. Um, and, and I mean, that's kind of sad, but it, it, it is the environment that most people come from. And, and so just encourage that. And, and, uh, and, and affirm it. And also it starts with you as a leader. Like I I've got to own that. 
so from an extreme ownership perspective, that's one of my favorite leadership books of all time. I actually just interviewed um, Leif Babin this morning, um, co-author of Extreme Ownership. Wow. Uh, and so that starts with you, right? Like that's me as the leader taking extreme ownership and saying, hey guys, I totally botched this. I'm going to reflect on this and learn. I just did that on Friday <laughs> uh, um, uh, about a hiring decision that we made. It's like, hey guys, totally botched this. Uh, I'm going to reflect on this. Give, I'm open to any feedback. If you guys have feedback, let me know. So like you're, you're creating that to where people say, oh, wow, that's the boss just admitted that he was wrong. That's crazy. <laughs> I've never seen that before. So, so maybe this is a safe space. And so they can lean in and do that. And so I, I think a combination of all those things really helps with it. And then uh, just I'll give you one super practical example. So uh, I wanted to start speaking, doing, doing more speaking in the business. 2018, I was learning from a buddy of mine, Pete Vargas, and uh, he's like, Chandler, you need to be learning speaking in your business. He finally convinced me to do it. And I said, all right, well, and then we had proof of concept. So take risks, don't be risky. We had a few speaking gigs. Mm -hmm. We did six figures in one week from speaking. I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay, this is this is for real. Let me, all right, now it's time to double down. And then Pedro, who was running speaking on, on, the, on the team at the time and it is still today, I was like, I told him and, and, and the team uh, is like, hey, our goal is to fail as fast as possible. So I want to book, I want to get on as many stages as possible this year and we're going to fail as fast as possible. And so we're just going to outwork everyone uh, and, and just go pure volume. And I think I spoke on 24 stages that year. Uh, we, and we did just over a million dollars in revenue um, wow. at the customer acquisition channel for self-publishing school, but we failed a ton. There were some total bombs. I mean, there was, you learn so much. It's like, Oh crap. Okay. You don't want to be end of day three on the last day of the conference because then you have no time to talk to people after your talk. Right. It's and like, okay. Gone. So yeah, everyone's gone. Right. And so it's like, okay, cool. Made that mistake, made that And you just keep learning. And so now we have an amazing checklist where it's like, all right, we need to do this, 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 and this. Okay, don't do this. Ask this question. How much are the event tickets? How many people are going to be there? Have they ran this event multiple years or is it their first year? Okay, if it's their first year, take the attendee number they say that they're going to have. Cut that by a fourth, right? And, and, and then it's just you keep going through that checklist. But like we wouldn't have that checklist if we didn't make all those mistakes. Uh, and, and so I think just leaning in and that's a super practical example where you set the expectation and you affirm it along the way, because there's, uh, there's times where it's like, man, this sucks. I just flew across the country. I'm away from my family or, or the people I love. So are the people on my team. They didn't make any money, um, because we didn't do well. And then you had to remind them like, Hey guys, fail fast, fail forward. Like this, this is a moment where we're, if, if, if we stop doing this, we're, we're going to go and fade into oblivion because <laughs> I would rather try something and it not work and be on the cutting edge of something than, uh, uh, you know, not try it just to be safe. And so I think it, just reminding and affirming that. I really admire the courage that it takes to do what you're doing, where you fail, learn from it and grow, because that is a painful process. And I, I know something that the two of us have in common is we both follow Ray Dalio's principles. And that for me has been the most powerful change in my life in the last couple of years. And for folks that don't know what it is, it's Ray Dalio's a, a hedge fund manager and, and he, can, he wrote a book to talk about how he has gained his success. And primarily what it is, is pain plus reflection is equal to pro progress. Pain plus reflection is equal to progress, which is that exact system you're describing. And so I'd be interested to know from you, how has that process of creating principles to live by in your life, how has that been positive for you? 
Oh man, it's been amazing. <laughs> and I love that book. Uh, and, yeah. and that, you know, it's an amazing book and it's a, it's a big book. Uh, and, but I think one of the, one of the big takeaways for me was thinking like an engineer. And I also got this from another interview that I listened to. It's an amazing interview with uh, the Shopify CEO uh, and a buddy of mine, Dan Martell. Um, shout out to Canada. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, 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 but they talk about, he talks about like how, because he's an engineer, engineers, you know, engineer being um, a uh, systematic. Like, yeah, systematic, but not I'm not like mechanical engineer, but engineer being like he's a tech guy, right? And so thinking in terms of if this, then that, and and how having that background has been so helpful uh, in people development and talent development and building a company and all that. And so I think that connected a dot for me in the same way that uh, Principles, uh, the book did, which is, you know, that guy, that's a guy who you know, he looks at trends, he looks at numbers, he looks at data and then creates models that are if this, then that, that make decisions that help optimize trading algorithms essentially. And so when he starts explaining how to do that for your life, I'm like, oh man, that is super interesting. And I've never thought about that because I don't come from that type of background. So I, I think that's a lesson within the lessons. Like I'm always trying to lean into, okay, what are the total opposite of the, the background that I've come mm. come from or come through and, and how can I learn from that? So like I moved to San Francisco cause I want to learn more about like the VC unicorn kind of like uh, raising money, all that type of thing. And I came very much from the bootstraps. Like you, you iterate, you get proof of concept, you sell, then build, you get paying customers first, like all those things. It's like, okay, what can I learn from the other side? And so I think a similar way of principles, what can I learn from the other side? Hmm. Uh, and, and, or just, or just not so much, maybe not even the other side, just is like a different way of thinking. Uh, and he challenges in the book is you should create your own. And so I kept thinking, I'm like, okay, this is my first company. I plan on doing multiple companies. I want to create essentially a talent development machine where we can buy and flip companies. We can, mm -hmm. uh, we, and we can scale and develop. And so why, I kept putting it off, putting it off. And then finally I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create my own. And then I said, well, <laughs> All right, I can start writing these, obviously, and uh, you know I've written written and published multiple books, and this is what we teach people to do all day long in self publishing school. So that seemed like the natural option, but actually for me, like I'm way better on video uh, and and audio, and so instead I said, what if I just created videos around these, and I can use those videos to train up my team. I can use those videos to help entrepreneur buddies that are always asking me these questions because I'm kind of like the the operator guy uh, in a sea of visionary entrepreneurs. <laughs> so they're always asking me the operator questions. And so that's kind of how it sparked. And, and that's when I created seven figure principles show seven figure principles podcast. And really it didn't start as that it evolved into that. And I said, Hey, I'm gonna start publishing some of these videos and just a fun little side project and no real monetization path, <laughs> which is that, that in itself was fun is, just, you know, so, so often it's like, oh, create this thing so that we can get customers for self-publishing school. And, you know, that's fun, but it's just also kind of fun to just have a little passion project that you're just doing because you love it. Um, and, and, and so that, yeah, that it's kind of evolved and, and grown from there. And the takeaways or, you know, I'm able to take a conversation like this or even uh, one-on-ones and think about, Th think about the th what are the questions that I'm being asked multiple times or teaching my team? And then how can I create a video on that? 
and so even just in this interview, for example, like my initial thought, because I always have a backlog and I'm always building the backlog is, is when you said, oh, ha- hey, how do you run those monthly accountability sessions with an accountability partner? Well, that's a video that I should have a video on that, right? So it's like, oh, cool. How to run monthly accountability sessions with an accountability partner. Like that's a principles video. Let me add it to the backlog. And then these conversations happen. And then I do, I think you know this, um, but I, I do a batch process where like last week actually was one of them. And I recorded 57 videos in two days. Um, and so that, that was a new record <laughs> um, but where I'll, I'll just go through and, and, but I have the backlog and then I organize the backlog and then I create kind of a, a structure and, and go in. And then now we've got a bunch of principles videos and podcasts for a long time. And I've got videos to train my team. I've got videos for customer success to help our customers at self-publishing school. We've got videos for the self-publishing school YouTube channel um, that'll help acquire new customers there. Like just highly effective two days of time that'll feed a lot of our content channels and uh, help make the team more effective for for months to come. And then I'll do another one. That is mind blowing. And you brought up that you're doing this seven principles podcast, which I am absolutely in love with. It's incredible. I listen to every episode. So definitely listen to that podcast as well as this SPS episode as well. But what I would ask you, Chandler, well, first and foremost, is I should say that you talked about how you're doing this as just a side project for fun. And that Mm -hmm. is my life. Uh, You talked about making money and that sounds like a foreign concept. I'm interested to eventually transition into that. But what I want to ask you is about the principles and how do you make that actionable in your day to day? You talk about the videos, the video library, but for you, because principles for employees are one thing, but principles for yourself is another. So how do you take those principles that you have for yourself and then apply them to your life? Hmm. Uh, It's funny because I actually think it's kind of the opposite where I think it's the videos are a video form of something that I've already applied usually, you know, so it's, for me, it's less of how do I apply it and more of a, I'm teaching what I'm doing. And that's, that's like a core value for me is teach things that I've done. And I, I have a high value on learning from people who have done what they're teaching. And that's super important to me. That's a big part of the reason why I dropped out of school because I was learning how to run a business from professors who had never ran a business. And that didn't make sense. <laughs> you know, so I dropped out. I'm like, wait, hold up. How have you applied this in your business? Wait, you haven't run a business? Like, why am I listening to this guy? <laughs> like, this is this doesn't make sense. Um, and 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 so I, I always want to teach, I always want to teach what I've done and and then never ask anything of my team that I haven't done or am not doing. And so I I live these out in my day-to-day life and uh, and then also try to embed it in my day-to-day life where it's, uh, oh, working with someone on the team, they got a problem. Perfect. Check out this video and just like try to embed that into um, it, it, uh, my friends make fun of me sometimes because uh, my friends is like, oh, let me guess. You got a video for that because <laughs> it's just all the time. It's like, oh, ask this question. It's like, oh, perfect. Here's this video. And it's great because it saves me time. Uh, and it's like, this is the best answer I could possibly give you. Because I sat down and I thought about the best answer and I created a whole video script. I recorded this video. Here's the answer to your question. So it's a better answer for the person who's asking and it's, it saves me time. And so that's how I live it personally. And then also embed it in, in, in what I'm doing and what we're doing. What do you think has been the most powerful principle recently for either you and your personal life or for your team? Ooh, man. It's like asking you, me to pick a favorite kid, even though I don't have kids. Or a book. Um, <laughs> yeah, or book. Yeah, most powerful principle. I just, 
I just recorded a lot of them. And I, 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 this might not be one video, but it was, it was a theme. It's, it's just, I've found myself recording a lot of leadership principles, a lot of different leadership and hiring. Those have been the two buckets of things that I've been really focused on. Cause we just went through a stretch where we hired, I think it was like six or eight people in uh, four weeks or eight weeks or something like that. And it was definitely, I want to say it was six in the matter of like a week and a half, which that was crazy. Um, and so just a lot of hiring. So I learned a lot of lessons there and, uh, and, and then leadership and leadership is one of the most important things in, in any organization, but especially at a fast growing company. And so I think I always try to approach these principles as like, what are the, what is the biggest bottleneck right now? And that actually might be one of the most important ones. That's one I, 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 uh, just recorded is on bottle bottleneck decision-making. So someone asked me, a few months ago, it's like, Hey, what's one of the most, what's one of the most, or one of the things that's led to your success or whatever. And that's always a hard question. It's like, yeah. okay, it's not one thing. Uh, Being but handsome. it was a, you know, that definitely <laughs> helps. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so envious of all the, all the people who are. <laughs> and, but, uh, so yes, but, but it was an answer that I hadn't said before, which is like, bottleneck decision-making and all like I wake up every single day thinking like, okay, what is the bottleneck to growing faster? Or what is the bottleneck for me? That's keeping my company from growing faster. What is the bottleneck in self-publishing school? That's keeping us from growing faster. Like, so it's just always coming back to that and then just relentlessly and with laser focus attacking the bottleneck. And so even when I think about these principles videos, I think about, okay, what is, what's the bottleneck of my people, my team, you know, got 30, 35, uh, full-time employees, it's like, okay, what's the bottleneck there? And so then where are the videos upstream that I can record to help train and, and fix that? Or And then also bonus points, if that's going to be valuable for a decade to come, right? Because then every leader that we hire or every time we hire, they can watch that video. So there's just, you're just stacking leverage. So it's just more and more and more leverage. And so that's when I look at leadership and hiring, like those are the two, it's like, we're going to keep hiring and a lot more. And that is taking up a ton of my time. And then we're going to need to keep developing leaders. And I'm only one person. I can only train so many leaders at the company. So it's like, how can we roll this out team-wide so that we're developing emerging leaders uh, on the team and, and for years and decades to come? Is there anything else you want to add, Chandler? Publish books. They grow your business. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> remiss if I didn't say that. I'm, I'm very passionate about books. I believe that books change lives and uh, I believe in leverage impacts. Some I talk about in my TEDx talk. And uh, so I, I just think those two things are important. So uh, if you're ever thinking about publishing a book, check out what we do at Self-Publishing School. Um, check out the Seven Figure Principles podcast. It's kind of a, less, it's a lot of fun. And I think if you're scaling a company um, or you're an emerging leader, like that's going to be super, super, super helpful. Uh, and then we get the self-publishing school podcast. If you're looking to use a book to, to grow your impact, your income or your business, that's kind of a uh, place, uh, place to go there. Chandler, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with us today. You're somebody that is just incredible. I, I admire all of the success that you've had. You're constantly striving for more. And for the listeners, for the viewers, if you want to learn more about Chandler and self-publishing school, you can find them at self-publishingschool.com. And you can find Chandler's two podcasts, which I highly recommend, like I've already talked about, wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for Seven Figure Principles podcast and the self-publishing school podcast. So Chandler... Thank you so much for joining us. 
This was awesome. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. I, re- I really enjoyed this conversation. If you like this episode with Chandler, I'd recommend checking out episode number 21, where James Mel, one of the most infamous online marketers in the world, chats real estate, overcoming introversion and fear. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please stay tuned for more stories from successful entrepreneurs, artists, influencers, and sports and medical moguls. Please know that I've got your back and the world needs you to go out there and create, innovate, and iterate. If you like this episode, then please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. You can also find Strive Accelerator on Instagram at Strive Accelerator and find show notes and all of our free content on our website at striveaccelerator.com. I always want to hear feedback from listeners, so please shoot me an email at jared at striveaccelerator.ca.